well, yeah, we, we could we could kind of use this if you want. This weekend there was a golf tournament Friday Saturday. Um, it is it involves six clubs that all have the same course designer. Five happen to be in the state of Michigan. One here locally. Awesome. And so each year, you know, a different club hosts, and we all go there and, and play. Um, the conditions were similar to what you experienced at Swing for Heroes. The rough was up. The greens were like hitting on concrete. Um, we thought that would be to our advantage. It, it was windy as hell. Friday had like thirty mile an hour gusts. It was. Oh no. It was ridiculous. Um, and the scores pretty much reflected that. At the end of Saturday, we were feeling pretty decent. We were we were hosting this year, so we have a little bit of an advantage because, you know, the, the home course knowledge. And some guys came down from Michigan a day early to play the course, which made sense. Um, we, we came in second by one point. No. Yeah. So then, of course, you're sitting around the table like, oh, if I just Where made this one putt or yeah. if I just don't. Yeah. But oh. it is what it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us today from wherever you get your podcasts, or if you happen to be watching on the Assessa YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. And if you haven't, hit that little subscribe button and the little notification bell so you can be alerted to when new episodes like this one drop. We would greatly appreciate you. Um, Today, we are honored to have Miss Lindsay Boyle with us coming down from Michigan. Welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thanks for having me. You had an interesting drive down, I hear. I did. I don't know what's going on. It's I mean, mid-October. It's full blast winter. I mean, I don't know if the world has shifted in some way because I feel the you know when you go south, it should be getting warmer and nicer, and the weather got worse and worse and snowy. It's unique for us being where we are. Not as unique for you guys in South Canada, right? <laughs> South Canada. <laughs> it's all that. lake effect. It's all lake effect. I, lake effect in Indiana. What is this? There's lakes. It's a big lake. This whole year, every time I've come down here, it's been freezing cold. It's I don't part get, of our lake, yeah. too. I don't know what's going on. I did see a couple of Twitter posts, I think it was late last night, from some folks in the Lake Wallace area. So, what's that, north central Indiana? Northeastern-ish? Um, and they had, they had full-blown snow on the ground, like a couple inches. Yeah. Which was crazy. I drove through it. Yeah. Well, more power <laughs> to you for doing that. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for braving the conditions. Uh, yeah, happy to do it. Happy to be here. Uh, well, Lindsay, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, I'm Lindsay Boyle. I work at Belco Industries. Um, I'm a sales and marketing specialist there. I've worked at Belco for three years. Um, I handle everything from uh, equipment sales to new business development, all of our online social media. Um, but Belco itself is a OEM or an original equipment manufacturer, and there's two divisions to our company. We make custom equipment for the aluminum extrusion handling industry and uh, industrial coatings. So on the aluminum side, uh, aluminum extrusion side, we build everything except for the press in the aluminum extrusion process. So the furnace that's going to heat the billet, um, the stretchers, the polars, the aging ovens, all of it, all of that, a complete turnkey system for mostly extruders who are buying our yeah. equipment. And then the other side on the finishing, we 
do turnkey systems, everything from the pretreatment washer, dry off oven, cure oven, environmental rooms, paint booths, spray washers. I mean, a whole list of things. And you can go to our website, belcoind.com to learn more. There you go. <laughs> from a marketer right there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, everything we build is custom. So we don't have a catalog of things. Everything is unique to our customers' specifications and, and their applications. We certainly know a lot or a fair amount of the finishing side. Um, not as familiar with the aluminum extrusion side. I did for, formerly used to procure aluminum extrusions. Really? So I have some experience in getting different forms and things like that kicked out. So um, where did, can you well, This talk? was in New Jersey. Okay. Were um, you more in the, the pulling and stretching portion of it? Or the <laughs> there was no pulling, <laughs> the there was no stretching. I just got the... The what's, the, what's the physical activity that I'm looking for that, that was like all the rage not too long ago? It's still active today, but like it involves a lot of pulling and stretching. Has that? Pilates. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. That's what I was looking for. I was like, no, it's not funny. That's we are the Pilates of industry. It's right. right. <laughs> like a new exactly. marketing slogan. Pilates technology. for aluminum. <laughs> Right here, folks. Well, that's I'm not to side. That's a hashtag I don't I, have on my list, by the way. Go I ahead. rarely hear people that have any understanding of aluminum extrusions in general. So I, whenever someone's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. That's I used to do a lot of thing with uh, cool. replacement parts. Okay. So you get a little extreme aluminum. It's hard to say. It is. Extrusions. Um, basically, that got clamped into holds. Aluminium. Strips of aluminium. There that's, you go. Those, when we sold them to England, that's what they were yeah. called. For our friends across the pond. Um, but yeah, we would clamp down like rubber gaskets or like squeegees into them. So okay. basically it would kind of clamp into them. So wow. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's great. So, so there you go. I've been affected by the industry. <laughs> what comes out of uh, a bell cup. Of the two sides that you guys focus on, is, is it 50-50 or is one side outweigh the other? Um, you know, it is pretty 50-50. Okay. I mean, over the years, I mean, you go through cycles, right? And that's yeah. kind of been the... the brilliance of it. I like to kudos to my grandfather for setting that up that way. Okay. So years where extrusions been down, we've had finishing to, to be there and, and vice versa. So in, in where they come together, we build very large vertical finishing systems for the aluminum extrusion industry. Okay. And that's how we got into the finishing stuff as well. Um, what tends to, so going with trends, what tends to be hotter right now, the extrusion side or the finishing side or all the above? Ugh, it's so busy right now. It's yeah. crazy. As everyone knows, you come out of COVID and everybody's, I mean, production's been up and yeah, we've got right. supply chain issues. So it's hard to say. Uh, we've uh, we've sold a lot more extrusion equipment, but that's just the way it's been. I mean, that sometimes it's just the way the orders come in and, you know, we only have capacity to do so many jobs. And so if we are full right. on the extrusion side and our manufacturing's full, we have to turn down, unfortunately, finishing stuff. Yeah. Um, but we've got things in the queue, you know, on both sides. You mentioned capacity. That, that seems to be a word that we're hearing a lot these days. We, we see the same. Um, a lot of the capacity issues, and I, I don't, I'm not gonna speak for you guys certainly, but um, that we've heard is not so much about, do we have the ability to put you know, more jobs out, but we only have so many people right now, and therefore you know, they can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And as such, you know, we're, we're not, um, maybe the throughput isn't what it perhaps could be now. In hindsight, I think if you fast forward a couple of years, we'll look back and say maybe that was a good thing mm -hmm. because if we had gotten everything out the door and all of a sudden they were like, well, shit, now what do we do? Right. Um, this has kind of helped stretch some of that out. I'm not an economist, um, that's for sure. But I think I think in hindsight, that's, that will probably prove to be a good thing. We were at a, at a facility um, in Pennsylvania two weeks ago, mm -hmm. maybe three weeks ago, whatever it was, where it's been. And same issue, he, he has um, a lot of automated equipment and it's all running. Excuse me, but his he's only really at about 
I don't remember the number, but like let's say 60% capacity, maybe yeah. two thirds. Mm. And he could do a lot more, but he only has so many people and he can't find yep. people that are hireable, if that's a word, to run the equipment to get up to 100% capacity. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is, right? Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, because I kind of went through the Belco website and took a look at everything on there. And like you said, everything's custom made. Mm-hmm. So what's the cycle like for the projects that you have? I mean, there's not like a lot of little, like, hey, here you go. You can have this in one week. <laughs> yeah, there's like, not. What's your like buying <laughs> cycle like? Because also you've gone through this whole time, yeah. crazy time span of right. supply chain. So what's that look like? I mean, for a full system, typically it's 52 weeks. I mean, we're okay. that's our cycle is a year for okay. the most part. I mean, um, it will be shorter. I mean, sometimes in a big project, usually we'll have one big project going and we can do you know, batch ovens or a small washer or pretreatment yeah. on the side. That could be 32 weeks. Um, it could okay. be, you know, but it's not going to be a two-week deal. We don't have anything that we're building that fast. Unless you want to get laser cutting done, we can do right. that pretty quick. And that's just from somebody saying, hey, I want this now. Yeah. But that cycle of like, well, this is how I dream my line <laughs> looking like. I mean, that's even going back. That could be years. years. Yeah, we have people. Years. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, part of being in sales in our business can be challenging because you have really big, expensive equipment and projects, mm. but that sales cycle could be four years, yeah. you know? I mean, if, especially if it's a bottom-up project. Um, retrofit's very different, but if you're starting with new construction, I mean, that's, yeah, things can definitely take time. And our Vermeer project that we did, which is highlighted on our website, I mean, they we were already in the planning stages, had something ready to go, and then they got hit by a, a tornado and completely demolished the plant. So that was starting all back over and made it a much bigger project, which is great. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that also takes a lot more time and the capacity, right? And things that right. were other projects that we have going on, it kind of interrupts that. So how did you get in the industry in the first place? <laughs> um, well, Belco is a family-owned business. So my okay. family owns Belco. My grandfather uh, was one of the early founders of the company, or one of the original founders, I should say. Um, and my father, so we have a typical succession. I'm third generation. My father, second generation. He's the oldest son. My grandfather had six kids. Um, so my father has been running Belco. I think he was, I mean, he's been there since the seventies. He was the president in 93. He actually just retired this week. So congrats to him. Um, and I stayed away from the business for the most part. Uh, I did one summer of coming in and doing filing, and that sucked. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do anything else. Um, God, I still have like PST or PTSD from sitting in a basement with like all these filing cabinets because everything's paper, right? You're just like filing all these orders and jobs going back to 1959. Um, crazy thing. So, and I had no idea what we did. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I became a teacher, did all that for about 13 years, left teaching, still had no interest in coming into the family business, didn't even know what we did for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not in aluminum extrusions or coatings and you see that equipment, you're like, what is the application for that, right? Um, we live in a consumer-based world, so if I don't see a product, I, I don't understand it. Right. Um, so it was nothing that really interests me. Um, anyway, retired from teaching, started working with an uncle and uh he kind of talked to me a little bit more about the business and the things that we did and thought he should probably get involved with this. Um, you might like it. I think he was projecting his desire to, <laughs> to continue working in the business. But um, anyway, so I, I had a trip with my dad and talked to him and said, you know, I know, you know, I don't know our business and I don't have a technical background, um, but I'd like to come in and just see what we do and, and learn a little bit more about it. And I could probably help you with some marketing stuff because they weren't doing anything. Um, and that's how it started. Um, and I came in and they hired me to actually do equipment sales and then COVID hit and it was like, 
how am I going to learn anything now? Uh, so that's more how I got into the digital, the marketing side mm-hmm. uh, more than anything, which actually ended up being kind of a blessing because they didn't have much and that became a very important role, especially right. during COVID. Yeah. Um, I know how the family business thing goes. That's um, a whole nother topic. We could do that in this, a separate <laughs> episode. Um, do you feel like now having been in, in, the, in, in the industry and seen where the equipment is going and what then your customers are making, you, you look around and you're like, oh yeah, that was an extruded piece. Mm-hmm. That's painted. That has a coating. Like we, I get, oh, maybe I'm just the, the nerd that does no, that. No, I'm like, I exactly, no, I totally get it. Because people can say, yeah, sell paint, right? I go, yeah, um, <laughs> but it's not like, you know, it's not the stuff to paint your house. I mean, we're, we're selling to manufacturers. Um, and I go, you'd be amazed at what things have some sort of a whether it's paint Mm-hmm. or some sort of a coating on it, or it was pre-treated. Um, it's it's the crazy. The second I walk into here, I'm here, or a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this right yeah. now going, oh, the powder yeah. coating on so this mic stand, and, you know, anything. With a resin or a coating or right. anything on it. No, I, oh, I that's totally, junk right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree and understand you, and I am a, a full on the other side, total geek about it, love it, love talking about it, especially for, you know, women that aren't, you're like, how did you get into this job, right? Like, that's yeah. such a pivot to be a teacher now, sure. you know, talking about paint coatings and right. doing all this work that you're doing in industry, um, and, and obviously young people, too, who just don't understand, which I was that kid, and it was my family's business. Yeah. I mean, I remember my dad putting in, like, a VHS tape, because he would take it to sales calls, you know, it's like, VHS, that's so weird to think about, you just pop up your phone now. I know what VHS is. <laughs> and he would Age look, discrimination. he would preview these tapes because he would, you know, have our aluminum extrusions going up this, like a line and it was the most right. foreign looking thing in my, I've, I've never <laughs> seen anything like that. Right. But now that I understand it and what the application is, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's right. like how but things are made. Kind yeah, of thing. absolutely. Uh, two part. Oh, sorry. You had to I'm circling go back. Ahead. Yeah. Cause I can't go any further. <laughs> what grade or, and or subject were you teaching? Uh, I was a high school history teacher. Okay. Um, I had ninth freshmen through seniors. So I had the whole gamut of age and student and good kids and jerk kids. Young (laughs) minds developing. So there wasn't like a, hey, you know, I was just thinking, you know, as a teacher walking into a business, Mm -hmm. all right, if we don't get this project done, no kickball. (laughs) So I'm just wondering, like, when teacher Lindsay comes out into the the shop, what happens? Yeah, not no uh, no recess. uh, Yeah, pull that away. Nap time, none of that. We're not getting any anything extra. It's more the coach comes out because I did coaching. So it's like more like when I'm pissed, like on the line, everybody's running, right? Right. You know. So I think that Lindsay comes out probably more. Um, What's more? Yeah, got to get things done. So, uh, but yeah, teaching was great. I I loved it. Okay. So what sport did you coach? I coached boys basketball. I was a boys JV assistant, okay. which was unusual. They didn't have a woman at the time do anything like that. Right. And then I uh, was freshman girls basketball head coach for a few years. And then the seasons in Michigan switched. I ended up uh, coaching golf. So I was a JV girls golf coach a year. And then I was the head varsity coach for about six years. Okay. Very cool. uh, my youngest daughter just had basketball tryouts last night, as a hey. matter of fact. Yeah, we are in that season now, right? I know. God, I know. Time goes fast. It is. How old's your daughter? My youngest is a freshman in high school. Okay. Uh, and I have twins that are freshmen in college. Oh, nice. Yeah, all girls. Hey, yeah, that's good. Yeah, somehow outnumbered. <laughs> that's a, another podcast another episode. Another podcast episode. <laughs> that's um, cool. Two-part question for you. So sure. um, the family business thing, if you were to uh, come across the young Lindsay today who is in a similar situation where, let's say she just graduated college and um, she has the opportunity to go into a family business or do something else, 
what, and she's seeking some advice, some guidance, what might you tell her today? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. That is a tough question. Um, I mean, I think it's so important to go out and do other things. Um, I think, you know, the family business is hopefully there. What I I would hopefully tell her and catch her young enough is is be involved in it as much as possible when you're younger. And then when you go to college and you leave and I think you need to go out and you got to meet new people. And I think you bring all of that, I mean, diversity of thought or experience to your business. And I think that's important to have that. Um, I think there are a lot of family businesses out there. No one ever leaves. They're afraid. And I mean, that's even within my own family. And I think it's you know, better to have gone out and worked with other people and seen the way the world works in other yeah. ways. I would tend to agree. That's, that's typically what I also provide. Um, anybody who asked me that, and I think it's twofold. One, um, when you're in your early twenties and maybe I'm speaking for myself, folks, that's <laughs> it. Um, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. It happens and you still don't really know what the hell you want to do. And that changes. Yeah weekly, monthly, every other year. So go out and cut your teeth on someone else's dime and someone else's time um, to truly figure out what it is you want to do, whether, regardless of its family business or right. not, but what, what direction do I want to go in? Um, and then potentially come back with that knowledge and with kind of that singular mindset of, okay, I, I now have kind of things figured out. I know what I want to do and, and here's what I want to do it in. So um, yeah, agree. For what it's worth. Agree. I mean, I mean, I do have days when I'm like, I wish I would have gotten in earlier because I didn't understand it. I probably would have been involved, but I still think it's important to go out and do something else right. regardless. Yeah. Um, Hindsight's like 2020. It is. It is 2020. Yeah. But I think, I, I think it, my path's been good. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to the specific side of what Belco does, um, you said right now it's about a 50-50 mix in terms yeah. of what products are going out. What items are hottest today? And we may have kind of touched on that. And then where do you see things going five, 10 years down the road? I mean, what's technology is infiltrating old school enterprises left and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, we're seeing in our industry for sure. I'm sure you guys are seeing it as well. What do you think to the best of your crystal ball <laughs> ability um, what do you see happening 5, 10, 20 years down the road? Um, well, I'll start with the... Not using VHS tapes anymore. Not using VHS. Well, I'll, okay, I'll start with the technology yeah. piece. Um, I mean, automation, obviously, yeah. it's everywhere. And, every, you know, the capacity we talked about with just getting employees there. Right. It's so important to uh, figure out ways, creative ways to do jobs. Um, and people get scared and shy away from that. But I think technology opens up even more jobs and more opportunities and more production and mm-hmm. capacity. And you can go down that whole rabbit hole there. So I think automation is, is it's key. It's every customer coming to us is looking at how can I automate my line? How can I make this better? How can I do this without having to actually have a physical body doing it? Um, so that's that, uh, on that note, I agree. We were in Atlanta for, um, IWF international woodworking fair. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, heard a lot of automation talk. Mm -hmm. Um, ran into a couple of our largest customers down there who were there specifically looking at robots. Yep. And so I asked him, I said, okay, why now? And like, well, you know, we've looked on and off again for the last, let's say five to 10 years. Two things are happening now. One, we can't find people. Yeah. I need people. And it sounds really bad. Some of the ones we can find are really, frankly, not employable. Um, yeah. The robot the, shows up every day. Right. The robot shows up every day. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't take talk breaks. back. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't need health insurance. Sober, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and like anything else with tech, the price is starting to come down. Yeah. I mean, it's still in cheap. That's a really good point. But when they start looking at it, they're like, okay, we did, the, we did some math, and our payback is two years or less. 
then it's kind of a no-brainer. If it was still five to ten years, yeah, maybe it's not there yet. Yeah. Uh, and the technology is getting better. I yes. mean, that robot is smarter today than it was five or ten years ago. Yeah. Um, that's that's going to be crazy to see. We're starting to see some of it in our industry too. Well, I even think like some of the smaller shops, like granted, automation's coming. But even if I have a small one or two person band, can I organize my shop or have equipment that moves material? Yep. That you know I'm never going to have multi, you know 50 plus people, but can I just organize my shop and move things effectively? Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, agree. It's great. I mean, it's going to be fun to see that. And I, like you said, the price is coming down. You're having more competition in that space as well. I mean, I was at IMTS, and it's incredible how many more companies there are who are building automated products and processes and robots and you know it's just goes on and on so what if you had to forecast the next 5 10 20 years in your industry what, what's that look like i don't know um i mean on the finishing side or, or are you talking about it belco or yeah um, belco in general or like or just that industry perhaps I mean, I think you're going to see more robotic use for handling equipment, um, you know, whether it's the, the moving it piece, right? Like you mentioned, instead of having 50 people that have to, you know, grind and move and pick up and place, you can have robots doing that mm -hmm. um, from the spray application side. I mean, using more robots to do that. I mean, the technology now, it's pretty, pretty cool what you can do on the powder coating side, especially that uh, you can pretty inexpensively relatively speaking, have a robot that you can program to do paint just like your painter, have your, you know, one expert on hand that can make it, you know, do whatever you need to do and get that, get that coded properly. Um, and right. then even beyond that, you look at software, right? Like what's the information that I can get now as a, you know, what's coming off my line and being more efficient in my production, you know, lean manufacturing just continues to get better because of the new software updates, not just robots, but how we can make our, our process more efficient. We have seen it, as Kevin noted, kind of filtered down to you, big corporations. You can see a lot of the investments go in there. They have the money to do so. Um, but we're starting to see smaller shops, maybe not a two-person shop, but a 10 to, to 50-person shop mm -hmm. looking for ways of automating. If it's just even just material handling yes, is something as kind of basic as that, if it helps the efficiency and the process flow of their, of their um, facility. We're starting to see that happen. I've seen a couple of those, um, I don't know what they call them, but in particular, at cabinet manufacturing facilities, these are machines that are picking up, you know, large pieces of wood and, and transporting it and moving it down the line and stuff like that, um, in addition to just the finishing lines themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you see, I mean, it's been hard in this time to kind of, you know, divide out what is this, you know, whether it's the demand or, you know, the increase in the economy. How much have you seen or how much do you hear about people talking about like reshoring? Like we're, this was something we were bringing in from overseas. Now we're going to do this, you know, in the States. Um, a lot. Yeah. You know, just the, the fact that the way the world's going, everything seems a little bit uncertain. I think mm -hmm. it's even beyond supply chain now. And I think it's more of a, you know, we want to make everything here. We want to make sure just from a timely aspect that we are going to have the things that we need and we don't have more customers waiting. And we can see that just on the people coming to us to get equipment, right? I mean, that's our quoting is up, our everything is up. And a lot of those companies are doing exactly that. They're building manufacturing facilities here in the United States, uh, whereas they've had facilities all over you know, Asia and Europe and 
now it's more important than ever. And we play to that, obviously, and on the extrusion side, we just partnered with a Canadian company, uh, Macrodyne, who builds the presses. So we build everything on the extrusion side except the press. And we are now, the, I believe, the only company that offers a completely North American turnkey solution for an extruder because all the presses are built overseas. Right. Uh, right. And so someone can come to us and go, well, it's your press is only coming from Canada, so you're not going to have delays and issues or beyond, you know, whatever those. Which is just down the street from you guys. Which is just down the street from us, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's literally our neighbor. So, yeah, it works out great. <laughs> it's perfect. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, what other nuggets of wisdom can you drop on us that, that we may have missed? Um, man, I don't know. I don't have I don't have a lot of nuggets of wisdom. I mean, well, I think about golf. And so we share <laughs> we share in terms of uh, job responsibilities the the marketing mm-hmm. of a what I'll call non sexy industry. Sorry right. guys, <laughs> but it's true. Um, what challenges from from a marketing standpoint have you found, and what opportunities do you think exist? not just you know for for the position and, and for the company today but for the industry in general um i mean digital right why why are you paying money to be in a magazine or i mean all these other old ways of advertising mm-hmm. it's relatively cheap and expensive and you're getting a ton of analytical data being online whether it's be, i mean we got to go beyond a website too we're talking social media blog posting generating mm-hmm. traffic youtube podcasting um every touch point you can get on the digital sphere you should be doing as a company and that's not just big corporations that's i think everybody right. across the board um i mean i think that's the challenge is <laughs> for most companies is just figuring out the right people to make that happen within your company right. because we are in a sector and an industry that is aging right and you still have a lot of at companies resistance to make that change even when i came in it was i mean it's my dad but he's he's an old school guy and he did not want to buy into any social media or do any of that and didn't see the roi on it right now that we've done it and it's beyond by the way selling products it's here are the people that work for me it's recruitment right it's advertising that this is a great place to be we have a great culture Mm -hmm. and we support our employees and then those employees that work for us also feel respected because we're highlighting them on social media and we're showing them out being industry experts and leaders um i mean it just goes i could talk about that forever i mean because that's what i do but um more the more you can get into that the better and i think the trend is even beyond just posting and reposting static things you need to be active so it's not just commenting it's the video it's the face-to-face it's the live it's being present so Mm -hmm. the more you can do that or find somebody to do that for your company i think the better off you're going to be yeah agreed um i I share in the same uh the same boat in terms of perhaps having someone who wasn't as fired up about some of that stuff and wasn't sure what the roi might be Mm -hmm. um he's retired now so we're doing it um well, that was a good good nugget of wisdom there for sure. Um, Lizzie, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Industrious Podcast. We appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, thanks for having me. You guys, thanks for joining us as well from wherever you get your podcast or if you're watching us on the Assessor YouTube channel. Thank you for viewing today. Again, if you haven't already done so, shame on you for not hitting that subscription button and click on the little notification bell so you can uh, learn about new episodes dropping. Thanks again for your time today, and we'll see you next time. And don't forget, be industrious.